We'll hear argument next in number 90-1262, Arkansas versus Oklahoma, 90-1266, Environmental Protection Agency versus Oklahoma. Mr. Wallace. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court, this case involves judicial review of the validity of an action taken by a federal agency pursuant to a federal statute, namely the issuance of a permit by EPA uh, for a new sewage treatment plant in Fayetteville, Arkansas, the issuance of a permit under the Clean Water Act. And under that federal statute, the permitting authority is to assure compliance with applicable water quality requirements, and this includes compliance with the EPA-approved water quality standards of a downstream state. The key to this case, in our view, lies in appreciating the fundamental importance under the federal statute of a rather elusive distinction, but one that is not formalistic for reasons I will try to explain, and that is the distinction between the law of the downstream state and the federally approved water quality standards adopted by that state, but that apply in the permitting process as a matter of federal law under the Clean Water Act. The foundation uh, on which uh, we are building this distinction really is reflected in two of the holdings of this court uh, the last time it considered this general subject, an international paper company against Ouellette. One of those holdings was that the downstream state's law is not preempted by the Clean Water Act insofar as it applies to sources in that state. Uh, no state law is preempted as it applies within the state to sources in that state. No federal approval of such state law is needed. It takes effect if it's enacted by the state. The other foundation holding in international paper against Ouellette is that the Clean Water Act does preempt application of a state's law to discharges in another state. So it's only if the, the, the out-of-state, the affected state, the downstream state's standards are approved by EPA uh, that they are to be applied in the permitting process in the source state. And what is significant uh, in the Federal Act, and not emphasized in our brief as much as I think its significance would warrant, is that the Federal Act and its implementing regulations require that certain processes be followed in the adoption or review of state standards if they are to qualify for EPA approval 
And the most relevant uh, process that's required is requirements for public hearings and public participation at which affected persons and states would have an opportunity to be heard about the impact of uh, water quality standards on their operations. And EPA itself is a very active participant in the development of these water quality standards. It provides technical guidance through participation in, in these hearings, consultation, model regulations, uh, etc. And moreover, <coughs> a renewed opportunity to be heard. In fact, the, the statute requires uh, hearings every th to be conducted every three years to get public Mr. participation Wallace, about needed revisions. May I interrupt you and ask a question or two? Here the EPA itself was issuing the permit? That is correct. And so you claim that under the statutory scheme that the federal government can have deference on its interpretation of the source state's requirements? Uh, as well as the affected state's requirements. Deference with respect to all applicable water quality standards that the Clean Water Act requires EPA to apply in issuing the permit. You don't, do you, do you take the position that the source state's requirements, in this case Oklahoma, become federal law in effect? The applicable quality, Oklahoma is the affected state. Yes. Source is in Arkansas. Okay. The, uh, the source state, excuse uh, me. Uh, well, what's, what's at issue is whether Oklahoma's water quality standards are violated, the affected state. Um, uh, okay. the, the state where the source of the pollution enters the water. You say that state's laws become federal laws? Well, the statute does require EPA to defer in administering its program to the source states, where, where the discharge is occurring here, Arkansas, yes. to the source state's interpretation of its own standards, because those standards are applicable as a matter of state law to anyone dis making a discharge in Arkansas anyway. Well, doesn't Oklahoma take the position that its no degradation policy means something different than the EPA says it means? That is correct. But you see, this court already held in International Paper a Company Against Oulette that Oklahoma cannot apply its law to a discharge in Arkansas, mm -hmm. that a state's law cannot apply to an out-of-state discharge, that the Clean Water Act preempts that. What can apply, what does apply, are water quality standards that happened to be adopted in that state law that EPA approved after the federal statutory processes were well, followed. Well, and as to that, Oklahoma has a different view than the EPA as to what those standards require. That is correct. So whose law do we apply? Well, that is precisely the point I'm trying to make, that, that it is EPA that is in the, that is both the expert agency and the fulcrum agency to understand what informed participants in the processes that the Federal Act requires would have thought those standards meant. 
Otherwise, well, the, the EPA per- approved them, didn't they? That's correct. And, uh, and the basis of that understanding. And, and, and uh, I guess it's uh, those are standards if, uh, are federal law. That is our point. It's only federal law that can apply because state law is preempted from applying that. And what point could uh, a court review, if at all, the adequacy and the correctness of EPA's interpretation of what the, um, the state standard meant when you first approved the implementation of the standard or at the permit stage such as we had here or both? Well, uh, Can we ever review your parsing of Oklahoma's anti-degradation statute? The, 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 the decision to issue a permit is subject to judicial review. That is the proceeding that's before the court. All right, and, and that's uh, usually for substantial evidence. But what about, right. and, and what about your uh, interpretation and understanding of the Oklahoma statute. Is that subject to any review in the courts? Uh, no, because the Oklahoma statute cannot apply to a discharge in Arkansas. EPA is not applying an Oklahoma statute. EPA is applying water quality standards that EPA approved that are reflected in an Oklahoma Well, well and you held, excuse me. Uh, they still are Oklahoma law. I mean, they, they appear in an Oklahoma statute. They appear in an Oklahoma statute, and Oklahoma can apply that statute within Oklahoma. But what EPA is applying is not Oklahoma law. That's the fundamental error that the Court of Appeals made here. The Court of Appeals well, under, said... Under, under the permit procedure, you were required to, um, I, I, I take it, uh, evaluate the recommendations made by Oklahoma. Exactly. And they were based on Oklahoma's law. They were based on... Uh, uh, on uh, what Oklahoma said was a misapplication of applicable water quality standards that the Clean Water Act required the permitting authority to apply. But, but the Oklahoma law it must be referred to in order to understand the meaning of those water quality standards. Those, those water quality standards appear in the Oklahoma law. That is correct. But they're... Enforced by Oklahoma in Oklahoma. That's correct. But when they are being enforced in the permitting process under the Clean Water Act, they are not being enforced as Oklahoma law because the court has already held that Oklahoma law cannot apply. And from a legal standpoint, your interpretation of that law is never subject to review? It is subject to review as, as, as to whether it was a reasonable interpretation of standards that the EPA was required to apply. Chevron deference applies? Absolutely. Be, uh, just as with any other standard that EPA had to apply in the permitting process. Mr. Wallace, that makes a lot of when when EPA happens to be the permitter, as is the case here. But how does your, your, your very logical scheme work uh, when, as is often the case, it is the upstream state that is the permitter? Because under the statute, if the downstream state is unhappy with the upstream state's issuance of the permit, its right is to complain to EPA, and EPA has the authority to veto that permit if EPA concludes that applicable, applicable water quality standards would be violated. And there's no so, deference to the upstream permitter. There's no, EPA has to make a determination. EPA ultimately is the one who decides in these interstate disputes whether the applicable water quality standards will be met. 
Uh, Mr. Wallace, is the reason that the Oklahoma, the statutory basis for requiring application of the Oklahoma statute, uh, Section 401? Um, <laughs> let me check that. I'm, I've got Section 401 in the white appendix starting on yes. page 164A. Right. And, and specifically, what I'm getting at is, yes. is really the tail end of it in, in, in 401B, which, which in effect provides that uh, the permitting agency, based on the recommendations of such state, the administrator, etc., uh, shall condition such license of permit in such manner as may be necessary right. to ensure compliance with applicable water quality requirements. Is Ex that how the... Exactly. The, that's, okay. that's exactly uh, where, where the, the uh, requirement comes in, and that is the language we quoted in our brief, the very language that you quoted, yeah. uh, that the permitting agency is to, be sh it is to assure that all applicable water quality requirements are to be applied. Now, is that, is that consistent with, the, with uh, what, what you described a moment ago as the holding in Willette, which seems to suggest that, uh, that indeed the only thing the downstream state really can do is to recommend within the meaning of Section 402, and if the recommendation isn't taken, too bad? Well, we think that, that Ouellette can be read consistently with this if we understand uh, what this recommendation means. It, it, it really is a, a submission about what is the applicable water quality standard, what is the meaning of that standard that the permitting agency is required to Would, apply. But wouldn't it be a more natural reading, though, to say that the recommendation which is referred to in 402 is simply a recommendation for what the permit ought to include in order to meet the standard? but that under Section 401B there is no question that the standard is enforceable. And the only thing that may or may not be accepted under the, the leeway given on 402 is the recommendation on how to do it, how to meet it. Well, I think that is our reading, that the, that the water standard is enforceable. Well, is, then is that, is, is that reading consistent with Willette, which seems to leave the, uh, the EPA with, with a much greater leeway? If Ouellette is read that way, we think that's the wrong reading of Ouellette. Ouellette says that the downstream state plays a subsidiary role in the process to uh, the source state and the EPA. True, but Section 401, if I understand it, uh, provides that that role will not be subsidiary to the point of ignoring that state's requirement once it is water quality plan, once it's been approved by EPA. You have, I, I, that is our position. That, that is the difference between Arkansas and ourselves. All right. Our now, if that's, the, if that's the case in the Oklahoma water quality plan has got to be uh, applied, uh, then is the, is the relevant section of the Oklahoma plan what is set out on page 46 and 47 of the joint appendix, the, the section 5, the, the beneficial use limitations? Well, the, it's the anti-degradation provision um, uh, uh, that uh, uh, was uh, specifically at issue, and that was interpreted by EPA, by the chief judicial officer, 
as uh, being satisfied if none of the specific parameters uh, uh, of water quality set forth elsewhere in the uh, water quality standards would be affected in any well, detectable my, my way. My particular problem, my reason for raising Section 5 is that if, if Section 5 is applicable, it says all streams and bodies of water designated as A, which I assume is applying here, are protected by prohibition of any new point source discharge. This is a new, what is at issue here is a new point, dis, point source discharge, and that would be absolutely prohibited if that section uh, must be enforced in this case. Uh, except under conditions as, as described in Section 3. But uh, this was I I interpreted by EPA, which, which approved this as the water quality standard, is not meaning that any detectable discharge is, is, is prohibited, but meaning that any detectable impact on any of the water quality parameters set forth in, in, in describing um, the, the quality standards for Oklahoma waters would be But what it boils down to, then, uh, is that uh, in, in order to in order to sustain EPA, a court would have to say that, uh, that the uh, prohibition of any new point source discharge can be read to allow a new point source discharge uh, if the effect of it is not detectable at the relevant point downstream. That's, that's sort of the nub of the reasonable well, interpretation. That, that, is, that, that is correct insofar as it goes, but when we're dealing with a new point source discharge 39 miles from the Oklahoma border, it must be remembered that Oklahoma has no authority to prohibit a point discharge in, in Arkansas. The only discharge in Oklahoma is whatever effect uh, appears at the border where the river reaches, reaches the border of Oklahoma. Um, and okay. uh, so from, from the standpoint of applying the Oklahoma law in the interstate context, we're looking at what is detectable where there is uh, 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 what amounts to a discharge into Oklahoma mm -hmm. by having the river flow into Oklahoma. Now, I, I just want to say very briefly, before reserving the balance of my time, that this is a very a, a case of very practical significance. There are 64,000 point source permits outstanding, which by statute are limited to five-year terms, so some 12,000 per year come up for renewal. Many of the water quality standards and each state has various water quality standards and classifies waters in various ways, are stated in narrative form rather than in numeric form, particularly the ones about aesthetics, taste, color, odor, and other aesthetic standards, as well as the anti-degradation uh, policies. All of these could be subject to second-guessing in judicial review proceedings in which a court would say that well, whether EPA's interpretation was reasonable or not, it got this particular state's law wrong, and what this state's law means is X. Now, a state can be as idiosyncratic or quixotic as it wants to be within constitutional limitations in applying its law within the state, 
but it would frustrate the processes of the federal statute to have this unpredictability. And the court in Ouellette emphasized that predictability was the hallmark of the permit system. I refer the court to page 496 of the case and would like to reserve the balance of my time. Very well, Mr. Uh, Mr. Wallace. Mr. Warren, we'll hear from you. If I may turn very first off to Justice Souter's question regarding Section 401A2. Uh, Justice Souter, uh, the governing provision here for resolving interstate disputes is Section 402B5 of the statute. Will you tell us where in the appendix those are? Uh, Yes, Mr. Chief Justice. Section 402B5 is found on page 168A, 169, and Section uh, 401A2, I think uh, Justice Souter has already pointed out, is on page 166A. 160, uh, 402A3 is a provision left over from the 1970 Act before the NPDES pro- permit program was enacted in 1972. Its purpose then and now was to deal with other federal licenses, for instance, Corps of Engineer permits, uh, FERC applications for construction. Uh, I think you can see that by reading the provision, which has the anomaly in the context of an EPA NPDES permit of having EPA recommending to itself. The governing provision are the uh, provisions are the dispute resolution provisions of Section 402B5, uh, and they are applicable to EPA permits through Section 402A3, which says the commonsensical outcome, which is that the same provisions, the same principles ought to govern whether the permit is issued by the state or whether it is issued by EPA. Under the 402B5 uh, process, which the court did interpret in Ouellette, uh, EPA is given the responsibility for resolving these interstate disputes. Uh, and it uh, can accept the recommendations of the permitting state, the source state, or it can accept the recommendations of the affected state, or may, it can split the difference in any way it chooses. May, may I interrupt you with this question? Um, if we start with the assumption that EPA has no control uh, over what you referred to as, as possibly contradicting or inconsistent uh, standards as between upstream states and downstream states, that would make a lot of sense because you'd say at some point somebody's got to arbitrate between these differences who better than, than EPA. But isn't, isn't the assumption at least a strange assumption because EPA has got to approve these standards in the first place? And if EPA is being given a standard uh, by Oklahoma, uh, which if applied uh, would clearly be inconsistent uh, with, with what the upstream state is asking for in its standards, isn't the, the, the rational thing for EPA uh, either to say, no, we won't approve it because it's too tough in relation to what's upstream, or to say upstream, we won't approve yours because it's too weak in relation to downstream? And isn't that the rational way to, uh, if we're going to have a national scheme or an interstate scheme, isn't that the rational way to resolve the differences between the states? Justice Souter, what you say would be true if EPA had authority to disapprove any state standard as being too stringent. EPA has no power to disapprove such a standard. Even, even insofar as it may have an interstate implication? That's right, Your Honor. If, you, if I can call your attention to page 25 of my brief, 
uh, where we cite the EPA official pronouncement on this in the Federal Register where they say they don't have any authority to disapprove a state standard which is too tough. That's also the holding of the one court that has reached the question, the home state mining statute, case. That's isn't it? Excuse me? That's, that's just in the statute, isn't it? I mean, it doesn't, this isn't just an administrative ruling. Doesn't the Clean Water Act permit uh, itself, permit the states to have stricter standards? Yes, Your Honor. That's precisely the, the, the thrust of Section 510 of the statute. Section 510 allows a state to impose more stringent requirements. But to the extent they impose more stringent requirements and the EPA approves their standards, I don't, I don't suppose uh, to the extent that it's more stringent than federal standards, I'm not sure that that part of the state plan is federal law. That's precisely right. Yeah. Those state standards, even after being approved, remain state law. Yes. Uh, what, what we need and what we have in Section 402b-5 is a mechanism to resolve those disputes. EPA can decide whether to apply or how much to apply any downstream standard in the process of writing those permits. Let me say that I believe the decision below must be reversed because it treated the OLET decision as if it were dictum. The OLET decision is holding and it controls the outcome of this case. What the court held in OLET and said in unmistakable terms is that the downstream state has only an advisory role in regulating pollution which originates beyond its borders. It can neither block a source state permit nor regulate an out of source directly. Well, in your view, would the EPA have had discretion to completely reject the Oklahoma standard? Uh, yes, Your Honor, it would have had that discretion uh, if it had so chosen, but its charge under the statute is to protect downstream water quality and to do uh, what is, it believes in its uh, judgment is appropriate to protect downstream water quality. And under 401, to ensure compliance with applicable water quali quality requirements. With those requirements which it concludes are applicable in order to protect downstream water quality. Let me say, Justice Souter, my reading must be right, uh, or else Ouellette would not be right. What, what this court said in Ouellette was that the Vermont nuisance remedies in that case were preempted because Vermont could, and I'm using the court's words, could not do indirectly by nuisance remedies what it could not do directly, that is, regulate the conduct of out-of-state sources. If Oklahoma can enact a no-discharge standard, as it is done here, Justice Souter, I think, correctly read uh, that prohibition. If it can enact a no-discharge prohibition and apply it uh, to an Arkansas source, then it is doing directly through the statute precisely what it, the court said it couldn't do in Ouellette, and indeed the very reason why the court in Ouellette uh, held the nuisance remedies were preempted. All right. Do you think there's a, essentially a contradiction before 401, between 401 and 402? Uh, because 402 has a much more permissive sound if we read recommendation the way you want us to read it. 401, however, uh, which in the operative uh, 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 phrase uh, refers to uh, conditions such as may be necessary to ensure compliance with applicable water quality standards, uh, you say is essentially weak provision because what is applicable is what EPA thinks yeah. ought to be applicable. Isn't the more natural reading of, of 401's applicable water quality requirements in, in subsection 2 
shouldn't it be taken as a reference to the enumeration of uh, applicable statutory sections uh, in, in subsection 1? Uh, in other words, to ensure a certification that, that the discharge uh, will comply with the applicable provisions of 1311 and so on through 1317. Isn't that the more natural reading of the statute? And if it is, 1313 is the one that refers to the approval of state plans, and that would pick up the state plan and make it enforceable. But, but, the, but uh, first of all, the state standards can't be disapproved, as I've said. Mm -hmm. Secondly, I, I want to stress that 401A2 is a provision that has an entirely different purpose, an entirely different history, and 402A3 makes clear the that... The trouble is it's still there, It's though. still there, but it has an application in this different context with Corps of Engineer permits. But remember... This court has long held that if a state, and that's what's happening here, since there's no disapproval authority, if a state is to regulate beyond its borders to control sources in another state, there must be unmistakably clear congressional intent to authorize that. This is a cardinal principle of federalism. We're talking about whether one sovereign state can regulate another sovereign state. Well, if 401 were applicable, wouldn't you have that here? No, I don't think you would, Your Honor, because I think that the clear language of the statute is found in Section 510, which is this provision of the statute that directly applies to this question. That's the provision that preserves for the states their authority to enact more stringent requirements, and it restricts those requirements to, to that state's waters and, that, and sources in that state. If you look at, at that provision, I think you'll see you, it is intended to preserve the sovereign prerogative that of Arkansas, really, which is what we're talking about here. Arkansas as a sovereign, in order to protect its waters and in order to do what it wishes to do with its waters, needs to be able to regulate sources in Arkansas. And those requirements of Arkansas can't be trumped by what is state law, Oklahoma law, that EPA cannot, dis be, cannot disapprove. What this court addressed in Ouellette is the proper way to resolve the question, and I would submit the controlling answer to the question. Thank you, Mr. Warren. Mr. Butkin, we'll hear from you. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court, today my state, Oklahoma, asks you to recognize the special protection that federal law provides for very special living creatures called outstanding national resource waters. The one that's been presented to you in this case involves the scenic Illinois River, which enters the state of Oklahoma from the state of Arkansas and courses about 60 miles in a southerly direction to Lake Tinkiller. Oklahoma has designated its portion of the river an outstanding national resource water pursuant to the Clean Water Act. We sent that designation up to Washington and the EPA approved it and approved our water quality standard for that river as federal law. And our water quality standard for that river said no degradation, no discharge can be permitted into that river. And once approved pursuant to the Clean Water Act, that ceased to be only state law. That became federal law enforceable uh, under the clear wording of the, of the Clean Water Act. Subject to Ouellette, I assume. Uh, no, Justice. We Not think, subject. We, we think Ouellette dealt with a different issue, the application of state law, state common law, to an out-of-state discharger, and Ouellette recognized that the Clean Water Act preempted downstream state law. Ouellette did not squarely face the issue of how federally approved water quality standards of the state should be enforced in a permit proceeding. But to get to that point, what Ouellette did was, in effect, to analyze the uh, 
in, in effect, the, the structure of the statute in a way which is directly relevant to our question. I don't see how we can hold your way without saying that, that Willette's description of the, of the way the statute uh, worked was wrong. We would rec- request the Court recognize that Willette was limited to the narrow issue that was raised in the first sentence of its op- so of the well, opinion. Willette was wrong in, in, the, in the description of the structure of this statute. Yes, we think that EPA has an absolute obligation to enforce federally approved water quality standards. The statute works in a slightly different way with source states and downstream states. Source states do have an absolute veto power over a federal permit. Downstream states uh, do not have a veto power, but if their federally approved water, their, their water quality standards have been, proved, have been approved by the EPA, those standards become enforceable under the clean, the clear wording of the statute. Well, you say if they've been approved by the EPA, as though the EPA can make all this reasonable, but the, but the statute prohibits the, APA, the EPA from making all this reasonable because it says that the state can, uh, in, uh, uh, in Section 510, that uh, nothing in the chapter shall preclude the right of a state uh, to adopt or enforce any standard or, or limitation regarding discharge of pollution. Just I disagree so with that. So when you combine the two principles, it means APA must approve it, and then APA must inf- uh, EPA must enforce it against another state. Uh, Oklahoma would disagree with that. 510 is a savings clause only that says nothing about the creation of federally approved water quality standards. Section 303 is the operative provision in this case. And under Section 303, Oklahoma sends up its proposed or adopted standards that must meet minimum federal requirements. Uh, the EPA reviews them, and if they find the uh, standard consistent with the Act, the EPA approves them. If they have some concern, the EPA sends it back and says, change this, change that. Once approved pursuant to Section 303, those standards cease to be state law only, and they become federal law. And the reason is very... May I interrupt you? Does EPA have uh, an an authority uh, as broad as the one I was suggesting a moment ago to your opposing counsel? Uh, of saying, you know, this is too tough because it's, uh, if enforced, it's, uh, it's going to be too restrictive on the upstream states. Uh, even though it's a great plan and it might be nice if it were simply an interstate issue, we won't approve it for that reason. Does EPA have that much authority under uh, 303? Justice, I think Congress made the tough call. I don't think EPA can say it's too tough because I think the whole statutory scheme focuses or contemplates on these federally approved water quality standards being enforced to avoid a situation where state boundaries serve as, as artificial barriers to the uh, uh, achievement of the state's goals. Uh, as EPA below recognized, and they told us, that if Arkansas's interpretation of the statute was adopted, you'd have a situation where water quality would be set by the lowest common denominator. The uh, downstream states would invariably be frustrated in their efforts to achieve but, their goals. But on your theory, it's set by the highest common denominator. Absolutely. All Absolutely. right. And your answer to the, the objection, if it is an objection, is that it's up to EPA to decide how high that denominator is going to be. Right. And that gets us to our next issue. In this case, our no degradation standard was not a higher standard. We modeled it after the federal model. The federal government requires each state as part of the federal program, as part of their uh, water quality standards to send up a anti-degradation standard. And it says, states, when you decide that rivers are so important to you that they should be considered outstanding national resource waters, you must require no degradation of such a water. We sent that up for the Illinois River and they approved it. EPA had previously told us how under federal law that standard should be interpreted. In 1979, the EPA said, when you have an outstanding national resource water, you don't let any more discharges into such a water. May, may I you don't interrupt you, Mr. Butkin, just forgetting the specific statutory provisions for a minute. Is the thrust of your argument 
is, is, is the practical effect of your argument mean that a tributary of the Illinois River that happens to be located in Arkansas may not grant a new permit to any source that would not satisfy the standards applicable to the Illinois River? Yes, if those pollutants enter our state. Yeah. Well, if, if those pollutions enter this, what if they prove they don't, which I think if, they almost did here? If, uh, if there's no finding of fact below that the pollutants in fact streamed across the state border, there'd be no problem. Because if they made a finding that there was no detectable pollutant at the state border? That no, Justice, they made a I'm sorry. They made a finding that for every 100 pounds of phosphorus uh, sent towards Oklahoma, 25% would reach the state of Oklahoma finding a fact not contradicted by any party. They made a finding that phosphorus in this particular river well, system... Well, just, I, I don't want to get into an argument about the facts. Okay. I just want to understand your theory. Is it your theory that at the point at which the river crosses the state line, the Arkansas tributary must conform with the Illinois River standard? Federally approved water quality standards because... Well, the one, the, the no, no degradation standards. That's right. And if it does conform with that, it may, the permit may be granted even though there's a lot of pollution that... that uh, dissipates on the way to the state line? Uh, the permit must be prohibited in this case if any new discharge reaches the river. It depends on the... Well, that's what I want to know. Reaches, reaches Oklahoma. Reaches, reaches, reaches Oklahoma. I'm sorry, Judge. I see. But it, as long as none of it reaches Oklahoma, no detectable amount reaches Oklahoma, then it would be permitted. If no measurable amount of pollutants, in this case, reached Oklahoma. In this case, there was a finding that, in fact, measurable amounts did reach Oklahoma. The administrative law judge applied a test in this case Justices, that was totally inconsistent with how this f same federal standard has been interpreted. And if I may, as early as 1979, the General Counsel of the Environmental Protection Agency said for a federally protected outstanding national river like the Illinois, for federal law purposes, we do not permit any new pollutant load. We don't permit any more waste to enter such a river. We don't worry about the impact of this or that. We, we, it's a given that when you add new pollutants to that river, you're degrading that river. In, there's a town called Tahlequah, Oklahoma. It's about three miles west of the Illinois River, same river, uh, same water quality standard. It discharges its waste through a tributary, not directly into the river, through a tributary that reaches the river. EPA in 1986 said to Oklahoma, if you increase the pollutant load to that river, if you add more phosphorus to that same river, you are violating that federal water quality standard. And Oklahoma agreed because there was an uncertainty about whether they entered the protected part Mr. of the river. Mr. Butkin, but when, when the... When the federal government designates a uh, river as an outstanding national river, presumably all states have a, have a say in that. But when Oklahoma chooses to do so, uh, despite other states upstream, only Oklahoma has to speak. Now, you, you say that uh, the approval is under, under Section 133. No, 303. 303? Uh, what, what power would, would EPA have when Oklahoma comes in and says, we want to make this an outstanding national river, uh, to say, well, gee, uh, you know, there, uh, there are other states upstream whose people are using this water, and uh, uh, we just don't think it's realistic to make this a, an outstanding national river. Uh, Congress, we feel, addressed that and said in 301B1C, you must enforce all applicable water quality standards with no room for a balancing test. No. Who cares, who cares uh, what anybody upriver thinks? Uh, we're our own state, and we're going we're gonna to make this an outstanding national river, and nobody up, upstream can use it. That's what Congress enacted, with nobody, the, the federal government and the other states having nothing to say about it. The other states do have something to say about it, because the law requires that Arkansas and upstream states be permitted an opportunity to appear at our rulemaking proceedings in, in the development of these 
of these standards. Wait, wait, wait. In, oh, in, in Oklahoma's rulemaking That's proceeding, right. as supplicants to Oklahoma saying, please don't, uh, don't make this an outstanding national river because we have people upstream who want to use this water. That's right, but remember... That's, that's very generous. Well, <laughs> but remember, the entire thrust of the statute is to clean our waters. And well, we can had they also be supplicants uh, as to EPA's they, approval? That's, that's right. That's right. Well, oh, wait, oh, how, what, what is the process whereby a single state designates a river as an outstanding, na what is it, outstanding na natural resource? Mm -hmm. uh, the st the Oklahoma would simply go to the EPA? No, Oklahoma uh, has its own Scenic Rivers Commission that have inventoried the rivers and picked five truly outstanding rivers in the state to so designate. Well, is there any supervision of that process by EPA? By, that, by EPA, no. However, the Department of Interior has designated the river since 1967 as a potential national scenic river. Well, so Oklahoma is completely on its own when it says the Illinois River in Oklahoma is, a, is an ONR. That's right. That's well, isn't that, I'm sorry, isn't that inconsistent with the answer that you just gave to me when you, I thought you said, that there was a point at which in that process uh, the, uh, the upstream state could, could be a supplicant to EPA. Well, the upstream, that's not so. The upstream state can make its wishes known to Oklahoma during the, the downstream state, state. but EPA doesn't have a role in this. And I would presume isn't, that, isn't they, that... Isn't that correct? I just want to make sure I understand well, what you're saying. The upstream state can make its wishes known to the downstream state, right. and I would presume the upstream states and all, all states can make their no wishes known to EPA also. Yeah, but EPA does not have a dispositive role in the decision isn't in, in, uh, on this question. Isn't that so? Uh, not until they approve the, the standard as a, for the no degradation policy. But EPA... No, but I mean, you're talking, if I understand you, you're talking about two different things. We're talking about designation of rivers on the one hand and water quality standards on the other. River designation, EPA doesn't have that, a, a dispositive role. That's correct. So the, so the upstream state is nothing but a supplicant to the downstream state, on, on your view. Uh, that's, that's the best it can do. In terms of the, uh, uh, the development of the water quality standards? No, 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 on the designation of the no, river. No, the designation of the river, that'd be, that would well, be Well, if correct. the designation of the river is operative, that's the end of the game. Uh, because if that controls, uh, then it doesn't do them much good to, to have a, a role as objectives with respect to water quality, which is intended uh, to satisfy uh, or to preserve the status of the river, which is now uh, binding upon everybody. But remember, EPA, the, the statutory scheme and regulatory scheme requires us to so designate these rivers. We must inventory our rivers. We must designate outstanding rivers and well, maybe, maybe you must, but isn't it true that on the analysis you've just given us, once the river is de designated, that's basically the end of the game so far as what the upstream state can reasonably expect to be allowed to do in the future? Everything hinges on the designation of that river. That's right. Okay. Um, I th uh, <clears throat> How come the, B the EPA uh, issued this permit? Uh, because they found that there wouldn't be any uh, measurable degradation? The EPA issued this particular permit because they found there were no uh, impacts other than the crossing of the pollutants into the river. We think there's an internal contradiction in that finding because the EPA also made a finding that phosphorus controlled algae growth uh, in, this, in this particular uh, river. Uh, we think it's important that federal law, though, be, be applied consistently. And here, 
EPA below did not construe any authority. Well, what do you think it meant by no detectable or measurable degradation? Justice, I think they were, Justice, I think they were turning their, I think they meant something other than the phosphorus coming in, a nuisance, a harm to a particular use, bass, fishery, recreation. They purported to be construing your standard, which is federal law. And they thought that as construed by them, this permit should issue because there wasn't any harm to your water. Isn't that right? Yes, that's right. And you disagree with them on that finding? I think they made a big mistake for two reasons. You agree, though, that they have the authority to construe your standard as federal law? I do. However, I think the plain meaning... Let's just assume that the way they construe it is one of the rational ways of construing it. Then you must defer to them, don't you? I'm not sure if I can go back on my previous answer. The statute sets up a partnership between the states and the federal government. It's not clear in the statute to whom you defer. Our feeling in this case, Justice, is that you don't have to decide in this case who the senior partner is in that partnership because no matter who you defer to, the Tenth Circuit should be affirmed. EPA has consistently interpreted this same standard to mean no new pollutant discharge can reach this river as recently as a year before this very... In this case, they said that your water quality standard was not being violated. Yes, but they applied an entirely different test. The test they'd always applied previously was... I know, but in this case, they construe your standard and they say it's not being violated. That's correct. So how do we review that? As what, arbitrary and capricious or what? Yes, I think it's arbitrary and capricious to totally abandon your prior interpretations, including the prior interpretation you gave a year previously to a similar discharger in Oklahoma. And the chief judicial officer of the Environmental Protection Agency construing his authority below said, we do not have any authority to balance the interests of Oklahoma and Arkansas. We do not have any authority to soften this standard or apply it differently to an Oklahoma discharger as opposed to an Arkansas discharger. And you say they utterly ignored in making this ruling the fact that phosphorus was getting into your river. Absolutely. At the state line. Absolutely, and consistent with their own... And what does phosphorus do for you or against you? Phosphorus is a pollutant which creates more algae in a river. And there was also a finding in this case that phosphorus was the controlling element in this particular river system. And what does algae do? It causes algae... Algae destroys... It depletes oxygen and contaminates rivers. And it destroys... Eventually it destroys a fishery. That's right. The EPA permission for Oklahoma was... Or prohibition for Oklahoma was for a source that was being discharged directly into the designated river, was it not? No, it was not. The Tahlequah discharger went into a tributary. Today, the Solicitor General attempts to make a distinction based on tributaries and says, you know, that's the rule that presumably would have been implied when the standards were enforced. But we know darn well that in 1986, EPA said, same river, discharge comes in through a tributary. If it increases the amount of phosphorus in that river, that's a violation of the standards. Well, but the discharge was into the tributary. The discharge was in the tributary, yes. And that's what's happened here. Exactly. Same situation. Can I just ask you a little question to clear up my confusion on the phosphorus? I take it it makes a difference how much water there is in the river. 
Now, is a pound of phosphorus in the Mississippi River be different from a pound of phosphorus in the Illinois River? I think a pound of phosphorus anywhere is harmful. Well, is it if the ratio of phosphorus to water in the water crossing state line is less than the ratio of phosphorus to water in the Oklahoma part of the river, is it still a violation of the state? Uh, not necessarily. The and are there findings on that point? No. Uh, so all you've got is the absolute amount of phosphorus. The critical finding. Which really doesn't tell us anything, does it? Uh, it tells you enough because it's been, phosphorus has been recognized as a pollutant, one of the I most know, serious but, pollutants. But, but if the ratio of phosphorus is even smaller, perhaps this discharge is actually making your river somewhat cleaner. There was no finding on that, and if it made but it it's, cleaner. It's at least theoretically possible. Yes, right? but I would, I would caution, uh, if, it were, if that were true in this case, why wouldn't Arkansas want it all? It would be the same ratio if it were 100% of the effluent, uh, the same concentration. Arkansas deliberately decided to ship half of the entire effluent flow from Fayetteville to a more polluted river, I think, yeah. And well, but we don't, the, the trouble is we don't know, at least I don't think we know, how it is that the concentration of pollution in Oklahoma gets to be that way. It may be, for all I know, that Oklahoma is the one that's principally messing up the river, and therefore Arkansas might not want it all because its share of the river is cleaner. Uh, and yet it might still be the case on Justice Stevens's argument that the amount of extra water that is being discharged along with the six pounds of phosphorus would actually uh, e effect an improvement of the river once it gets to the dirty section in Oklahoma. I mean, that, and, and in fact, that, at least the latter part of, of my suggestion, is, is a claim here, even though there's no finding. Isn't that true? There's no finding, and I think, you know, in the, in the Tahlequah situation, it was the increased load in and of itself. EPA has always, until this case, interpreted the standard to mean you just don't add any pollutant load, pounds of pollut pollutants. Can I ask uh, you one other question, yes, too? I was reading Section 3 of your standards about the anti-degradation policy, the sentence, no further quality, water quality degradation, which would interfere with and so forth, shall be allowed. This is an Oklahoma command. Does that mean shall be allowed by any Oklahoma discharger, anyone subject to the Oklahoma? Yes, and that's... Uh, so that doesn't actually apply to discharges in the... In, in Arkansas. Our federally approved standards are equally, if I understand your correct question correctly, are equally applicable to all Oklahoma discharges. Right, but not to, not to discharges in Arkansas that may find their way into Oklahoma. Uh, yes, if they, if they violate our, our standard at the state line. But how can Oklahoma issue a rule that says something shall not be allowed in another state? Uh, because the, uh, the Environmental Protection Agency in the Tenth Circuit found below, if that something allowed in the other state crosses the Oklahoma state line. We're not talking about violations of, of state law. We're talking about violations of federal law. The statute very clearly says that the administrator must, must condition a permit to require compliance with all uh, water quality, federally approved water quality standards, including downstream states. And any other result would, we feel, and the EPA felt and the Tenth Circuit felt, totally destroy the, the statutory uh, framework which focuses on clean water. What if a permit wasn't involved here? What if Arkansas people, uh, riparian owners, uh, started uh, discharging things into the river uh, uh, <coughs> and uh, say they just dumped phosphorus in the, in the, in the river? There are, and, uh, and, it, and, it reached, and it reached Oklahoma. What could you do about it? Uh, if it's not a point source discharge, we would deal through it not with the permit process, but with the separate part of the pro program that deals with non-point sources. And Oklahoma and Arkansas recently received a grant to address that problem as well in the same river. But uh, 
I'd urge the court to keep in mind that the, the statute deals, the part of the statute we're dealing with here is. Well, you'd have mentioned, could Oklahoma do anything about that in my. Not through a, possibly through a common law nuisance suit. But that's about it. It's a law. Without, without having some agreement. That's right. With Arkansas. That's right. Well, our, well, that recognized the nuisance action. That's right. That's right. It's a question of whose law applies. That's right. Just as in addition to, to, it's true that each case must be decided on its own, but I also feel it's important that EPA be consistent with its interpretations of its standards. And EPA did depart very dramatically from the interpretations that it's provided for and since for this same standard, which says no degradation means no new pollutant load can enter that, that river. But in addition to that, the, the position taken by the agency below totally destroyed the very purpose and structure of the anti-degradation policy. The anti-degradation policy is built upon three levels. And at the bottom of those levels, the critical factor is to protect a use of a river, a use for bass, a use for recreation, and so forth. At the top of the protection, you provide no degradation for outstanding national resource waters. What the EPA did in this case was they said, we'll let more and more and more pollutants in until we see a sign of a loss of use, until we see a sign of a loss of some other protective standard for the, for the river. And what they, what they did was they basically collapsed that top tier of protection mandated by federal law for this highest of protected rivers. Yes, but the other side of the coin, as I understand you, if there's any phosphorus at all, and presumably there's always going to be a little bit left, they can't open a new plant. And they can't grant a new permit. I don't see how they could ever grant a new permit under your rationale. They can obtain a permit that will not violate our water quality standards. And the record in this case showed there were two alternatives available to Fayetteville that would not have hurt any state's water quality standards. One of them was land treatment. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, they couldn't discharge any, they could not make a discharge into the river that would have any phosphorus in it whatsoever. For a river with this protection, if the phosphorus reached the Oklahoma State Line. Well, that is, and that, that was your earlier answer. In other words, you're not saying that they could never discharge into the river. Right. You're simply saying they can't discharge if any measurable quantity passes the line into Oklahoma. That's right. And it's a federal program. The federal program is designed to set water quality standards at the highest and the lowest common denominator. 301B1C, you cannot issue a permit unless a permit applicant can achieve any more stringent or protective requirement required to implement any applicable water quality standard established pursuant to this chapter. Any applicable water quality standard. And those would be the standards, of course, of all states that might be impacted by a discharge. And the contrary ruling would be tremendously detrimental to the purposes of the program. You'd have a situation, as EPA said consistently below, you'd have a program where polluters would locate just across the state line and pollute, dump into interstate rivers and pollute the downstream states. Mr. Butkin, may I ask you to switch gears for a second because your time is drawing to a close and there's something I don't understand. 
Section, four, section 401 refers to, uh, in at least in what I thought might be uh, the, the referent to what would be an applicable water quality requirement. It referred to a series uh, of, of other statutes, including 1313, which, as I understand it, is the section under which water quality standards are, are, uh, are promulgated and approved. Section 402 does not seem to mention 1313 at all. And it's if later on, as you know, in Section 402 that this recommendation process is authorized. Is there any significance to the fact that 1313, referring to water quality standards, is not referenced in 402 with its provision for, um, uh, for, for this uh, uh, process of recommendation and, and acceptance or rejection? We think not because... 402 requires compliance with Section 301. 301 requires compliance with all federally approved water quality standards. Those are, by definition, the standards approved uh, through Section okay. 303. Thank you. Just as in the Clean Water Act, the Congress, working with the APA, created a one-way street working entirely towards cleaner water. Uh, a clean water standard is a standard to improve the quality of water. A designated use is a use to be achieved through the applicable water quality requirements. Uh, while the Solicitor General is not asking you to affirm the uh, key ruling in the Tenth Circuit that downstream federally approved water quality standards must be enforced in, and applied in permit proceedings, we ask you to affirm that because EPA below said that was critical to the functioning and survival of the of the Clean Water Act program. In this case, I think the Tenth Circuit properly recognized that the administrative law judge had permitted Fayetteville a wrong turn down that one-way street, uh, and we ask that the Tenth Circuit be affirmed. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Butkin. Uh, I think your time has expired, Mr. Wallace. The case is submitted. The Honorable Court is now adjourned until Monday next at 10 o'clock. <laughs>